Hey, welcome to Lease FM. Today I'm joined by a friend, a coworker, a fellow podcast host, and a general good guy, good, talented guy with a lot of good stuff to say, Tom Hush. Hey, The Lise. Quiet Storm. <laughs> um, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Yeah? Not too bad. Yeah, not brought down by uh, any colds or wintertime blues. Or... I was for a little bit. Like, yeah. I'll get the one bout of head cold, a mm-hmm. little bit wheezy, but then I bounce back pretty pretty quickly. Good. Better than I was when I was a kid. I used to get really sick as a really? kid, like bronchitis. Oh, God. I, I had terrible asthma. Mm. And um, that I guess I- magnifies things or yeah it i mean like imagine uh you live life already basically breathing through a straw and then someone starts like occasionally pouring a little water down it every, oh my god every <laughs> it's like i could like bear torture yeah i i mean i had uh for all you asthmatics out there i was using the shout out yeah shout out to my <laughs> asthmatics uh i was on that nebulizer at least once a year yeah no imagine what does that even look like it's like a nebulizer it's uh imagine sounds like an alien thing it's it's pretty alien (laughs) when you look at it imagine the mask from that bane wears in the dark knight returns okay that makes him talk like this right and um and it just pumps medicine like just gas into you and you're just like you sound like darth vader and that's how they sell it to kids i remember they'd be like i know this big machine looks super scary and it's basically gonna pump you full of like steroids to make oh sure that God. you can breathe but you're like darth vader <laughs> you like darth vader right <laughs> sure he's the villain of the entire series right. but why not why sure not? i'm darth vader oh my god how many years did you have to do that Oh man, a, a while. I think once I hit puberty, then like my lungs kind of figured themselves out, okay, thank God. and I still get I still get wheezy if I get over exerted, you know, overexcited. You should come to one of my spin classes. Oh, <laughs> I've been I've been meaning to do that for yeah, a while because it'll happen. Forget asthma. There's other health problems <laughs> that I could stand to tackle. Stops halfway through to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so thank you. You know, it's funny. I've been on your podcast twice just because yes. you were missing hosts. And so I was like, I guess a nice substitute or whatever. I don't know if I was nice. Was it okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, no, I, that tell was me what's great. Um, that was months ago, though. So I'm like glad that we finally are getting you on here. For sure. And I know we've said that like on episode 100, you're going to interview me. Yeah, about my no, five influences. Preview, which... preview, everybody. That's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of Lee Seth. Oh so God. I want to get to the. I, you know, there's something about being a person who interviews that when you're finally put in the hot seat, oh it's super surreal, but also very thrilling. Totally. Like oh, I'm on I'm a excited. little bit of an ego trip right Are now. You? I'm like, hell yes. yeah, you're like, I made it. I did. Well, you did host one of these uh, back t- 20 episodes ago. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. We've done some work because you're okay. So Tom is more than just my coworker and friend. He's also another podcaster. He po- hosts um, No Coast Cinema here on WGN Plus. Here being there on WGN Plus. Um, I don't know. Here is not a spot. <laughs> Where We're just is sitting here? in WGN <laughs> studios right now. So I felt I needed to say that. Um, and that is basically a really nice overview of the film community in Chicago and beyond. Um, how's it going? What ep- what uh, episode are you guys on now? Oh man, we've been uh, struggling yeah. a little bit because uh, with uh, the whole uh, Weinstein. I mean, that's part of it. Is we <laughs> morale re- is low? Yeah, we've we've been really having to reexamine the show itself, um, and uh, how much we're going to talk about those things. Yeah, 
to and how much we're going how much we can really give in terms of insight versus the number of supremely talented journalists and uh people who are out there telling these stories already i mean when it gets to us we are not doing the reporting itself i mean we're talking about it it's commentary but that's really it um so we we decided to make the decision to really take a more singular approach to chicago and more being excited about movies i think that's great and i think that's always been your strong suit and i and you know that's your edge is that's what you're you set out, mm-hmm. you know, when you started this podcast to give the voice to the to the voiceless, aka, yeah, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of people here in Chicago that are trying to make it in film um, and, you know, tell their stories, get the word out. And I think that's beautiful. And oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you're here as a host, as a producer, as a uh, manager of a, a stunning <sighs> movie theater man or a movie lover what are you here as whatever we'll we'll piece it together but we're going to talk about your influences yes and i know you've been making this list is there anything you want to say before we get into them like a disclaimer or disclaimer did you have to like scratch harvey weinstein off your list (laughs) (laughs) just kidding no i luckily i did not (laughs) i have i've never been um i've always been very anti uh business hollywood in the sense that I'm much I mean I grew up loving the being a fan of the auteur theory which is just like the director is the you know the author of the film. Yeah. I have since changed that opinion greatly but uh-huh. basically I was a really big fan of filmmakers who kind of buck the trend. Um I'm really all about I I'm fascinated by the new Hollywood movement of like the late 60s, 70s and then the early 80s so like George Lucas uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Peter Bogdanovich. So that's still considered the new Hollywood. Yeah, that was the new Hollywood. <laughs> okay. And uh, and now we're like new, new. Yeah, we're, now we're post we? new post Hollywood. Hollywood. We're post Hollywood, if you yeah. ask me. Shit. Okay. Um, but I I really always hated the businessmen, even though I you know the relationship between an artist and his effective patron is always going to be contentious. Yeah. But I guess uh, disclaimer before all of this. I have so many influences. I know. As everybody's got so many yeah. influences. And there's so many parts of one's personality that are shaped by different things. And, uh, you know, I just tried to boil it down to the to the bare essentials. Like, in order for you to understand my vision or, like, my look on how films work and yeah. my, things that influence me. Totally. These are the things that you need to know. Good. Love it. That's great. Yeah. Wow, and and I love that you're here because it's like you put a lot of thought into this. Oh my I god, know I bought a notebook be... just for this. I did. I was like, I oh was going to comment on the notebook. Yeah, dude, these are great. They're these little pocket books. Yeah, and shout out. Na- what is it? Is they're it called out? Field Notes. Field Notes. I have. So my aunt loves crafts, and she made like a leather, like a fold that you put the field notes into. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to buy one. I will make you one. <laughs> Please do. I will. Because, like, these are great. They're yeah. made in Mount Prospect, and they're, oh, just, they're rad they're as so hell. Local. Yeah, they're, they're so nice. Cool. And they're pocket-sized. Exactly. And they make and you, you can feel like Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, dude, you feel, you, you feel so fucking artistic. Yeah. It's not even funny. You're just like, oh, excuse me while I jot this <laughs> yeah. down oh, in oh, my notebook. Oh, what was that? What was that? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. No, no, oh, no, spelled that wrong. Yeah. And you're just kind of, like, drawing faces, <laughs> all stick figures, and you're, like, making a flip book of, you know. That's great. But you're but you're really, really artistic. Oh yeah, you're into it. That's awesome. I love writing things down. I I'm a doodler. I'm a 
you know, Makes definitely like journaler. Like when I have a lot of stuff going on, I'm like, I got to write it out. Yeah. I've learned that that's the only way for me to function. Yeah. Is that like Interesting. If, if I don't do it right now, yeah. right then and there, it just flies oh, away and I it mean, never comes same. back. Yeah. And that's just going to get worse with age, my friend. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. <sighs> um, okay. One. What is it? All right. Number one. Um, these, I will also say these are also just film influences. Yeah, great. Number one, The Lion King. Okay. Super good. It, I like that because you're starting us at your young, young I'm, Mr. Young Tom Hush. Yeah, I'm trying to go as autobiographical as possible. Yes. There were some changes that were made, but uh, I'll explain why. Okay, great. So, what was your first? Oh my gosh, my shirt that I'm wearing right now is it the line? Is a Harry Potter. Oh my portrait. god! <laughs> I will include this in our picture again. And it's Hagrid it's holding Hagrid up holding Harry, Harry over <laughs> a cliff. So funny. And he's just, I like oh the expression on Harry's face. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wizard. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's related to my second city class, but I'll <laughs> tell you about that later. Um, so, tell me why and when? When did you see it in the theater? I, you know what? I if I saw it in the theater, I would have no memory of it. I'm pretty sure it came out when I was like one year old. Yeah, I think it was ninety four. Yeah, nineteen ninety four so, was that when that oh, came yeah, out. Oh yeah, and you're you're ninety. Are you ninety three? I'm November okay. ninety three. Oh yeah. So oh my god, that's right. Yeah, and um, so I'm guessing I caught it on home video, and it's really weird to think that like one of your one of your most foundational things you don't even remember watching it. Right. You almost had to be told how much you loved it, and also like just when you see it the feelings come and yeah, you know you this hear it and yeah you, you get and you don't have to remember the experience of watching it to f- know the experience of right. watching it because it's so ingrained yeah exactly. and it is amazing like we were kind of that f- the first generation of like the home video like the home like the yeah. watching things over and over again like our parents didn't do that because it was just on tv and then it would never play again right. or yeah only christmas or it would it would only be the kids that were growing up in the 80s yeah. when the vhs right. revolution began yeah. that they would that's the first that would be like people just a little bit older right. than us maybe like 10 years older yeah. than us so 25 then by, years older by the time we came around it was like it, they had the VHS. Oh yeah, player, it was regular. And had, yeah, everybody had. A so VHS are we player. wired differently because we we could watch things over and over again? I don't know. I think it is. I think it has created a generation of just total pop culture nerds. Yeah. Even if they don't consider themselves pop culture nerds, because that ability to go back and keep listening to something, keep watching something, keep reading something yep. is what makes you a total geek. <laughs> and um. Over and over and over and over. It's it's the repetition that ingrains these things into you. So I would say we were one of we were one of the earlier generations, I guess, to be uh, used to at least. Yeah, to be used to home video as just a fact of life. Yeah, there is no before. No, there you could always get movies on tape and watch them at home. Yep. Yeah. So, so I, okay. So yeah. you watch that. Was that like your parents told you? Oh, you used to watch The Lion King all the time. Or can you like still quote parts of it? I was still. I have just a deep emo. Uh, it's an emotional attachment that's so deep that it can't even really be uh, ex- explained. Yeah. In the sense that, like, I know I watched it, and I, I mean, I remember watching it for the. Th- hundredth time right like i knew watch yeah. like i have memories of watching it and being like i am watching the lion king i love this movie yeah. but a lot of it was my parents kind of relating to me 
like you don't even realize you don't even remember how much you used to love this thing like it it was the first th- i feel like it was the first thing really that i was obsessed with yeah to the point where i was i had the book on tape i had the vhs <laughs> the t-shirts. i had the to- yeah the toys did you go to it when it was on chicago on broadway or whatever i did i had did not get to do that oh my god we until did. like cool. until like a f- couple years ago when and me how and my was girlfriend it? Went. it was it was great yeah it was a very uh great experience Were you crying your eyes well that's the weird thing is okay. that my i found i realized that my attachment is to the movie mm-hmm. it's to the movie not interesting to, not to the story it's it's to yeah it's to the movie version of it it's not just the story itself it is who is playing the characters the fact that everything happens in a certain sequence the in a colors, certain way the colors the music exactly how to, it's recorded right. originally yeah no i get that so i had a much more emotional experience seeing it again in the theater when they did the lion king in 3d wow than how seeing was it on that stage. it was great and i've never how been sold 3D? on 3d yeah because i don't like 3d i mean it's whatever you couldn't really tell or i mean did it scar didn't... like jump out at you <laughs> No, unfortunately not. Okay. It was, uh, I mean, it was just a gimmick to get it back in theaters. Right. Realistically, I, I don't think that a movie like The Lion King needs a gimmick to put back in theaters. No. I really, I really don't. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wow. it, was, it was to the point where I would, as a kid, like, I would identify with Simba. Like, it was, it was the first time I had a character that I was like, me and him are the same thing and I ex- and I did role play like I would pretend wow. I was Simba and my dad was Mufasa and my Aww. mom was like and that was like and I they had to I had to make them act it all out with me and I had the little toys too Oh my god it was it was pure obsession It was intense Yeah it was a very intense emotional relationship that would um uh really change especially once uh when I was 17 um uh, my dad passed away mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. I can't watch that Mufasa scene, like the death of Mufasa just destroys me every time oh on just so many different levels. But it's it's like a good hurt. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it reminds me of um, how much I love that thing and how much that was a family thing. And also it it allows me to feel catharsis through the film. So yeah. I think that's why it's such a great movie. It really it's. I hate it when kids' movies are dumbed down. There is nothing dumbed down about The Lion King. I will fight that. Anybody who says like The Lion King is a dumb kids' movie, it is absolutely not. I think no. it. I think it deals with uh, very complex emotions oh, for yeah. children, like this idea of like honor and duty and guilt. Like, how do kids understand that? They just do because yeah. kids are not stupid, right? And neither should the movies that they watch. Exactly. Be stupid. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, Lion King. Shit, dude. Is- Okay. Zero to sixty, least. Oh my god! Yeah, you're in it. You got coffee and you're <laughs> sipping that coffee. You're ready to oh go. Oh my god! I've been awake for thirteen hours. Oh my god! Let's do this. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and you're gonna be awake for another couple. I mean, what was the first? What was the first movie that you remember being like? I love this. I mean, like Mulan, a lot. But Hell yeah, was, Mulan. I feel like we were older. I don't know what I was like really into when we when I was. I'm sure my parents would be like, well. Oh, that's one. I know my brother was really into like 101 Dalmatians. Like he would watch that sure. over and over and over again. And we had Lion King. Um, but yeah, Mulan was the first that I really like connected and with. That's, and, and I'll say this. I think that's what really matters. It's not the age. Like you might yeah. have really liked things when you were younger than that. Right. But the minute you remember really loving something. Well, I also was convinced that I was Pocahontas. <laughs> 
for like a year of my sure when I was four like this little like white like really you know toe head like blonde <laughs> girl running around like Pocahontas, like Pocahontas. that's pretty much well and it just it goes but, to show the power of a film for especially in kids to help them narrativize their lives yeah. and it's something you eventually have to grow out of but that's just teaching you storytelling is what's the basics of storytelling oh, you have to identify out of it. My movie, my life is a movie. Okay, okay. I'm the main character. <laughs> I'm the main character. But like you, you are a guest star. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like it teaches you how to engage with the narrative. Totally. Is that you step into the shoes of this character that you really identify with? It's super easy with Simba because he is also a child. Yeah. So you can be like, hey, he's a child like me, and mm-hmm. then you get to see these struggles as they grow older, and it teaches you about growing up and accepting responsibility and things like that. Yeah. Wow. So, you should start a podcast about The Lion King, I dude. I know. I feel like you could go like either scene by scene or you could go like theme by theme. There there are much smarter, well-read people <laughs> no, that can No, you just talked about it, it for 20 minutes. I know, but that's just off the cuff. Like, <laughs> well, I know it, was, it I, worked. <laughs> I guarantee you there are people out there who have studied critical theory for like I bet decades. there's already a couple of podcasts about it. Actually. Oh, I bet. I bet. Lion Cast. And I, and I, and I imagine they are incredible. Yes. Because, we should check them out. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to you. Lion, ca- lion podcasts. Um, okay, great. Good first influence. I like that it was so early. Yeah, it That's was great. I, I asked my mom once about like when I started doing Note Coast, I asked my mom, like, you know, I was talking to her about it and I was just like, was I always like this? Was I always like this obsessed with movies? And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like we couldn't get you to stop oh watching God. things. Like, That's great. Even like Disney Channel original movies, they're like terrible. Yeah, and you were you're just like, like eating hooked. it up. <laughs> not a huge TV. I I I wasn't a huge TV person. I would even say I'm still not a huge TV person. Yeah. I like TV, and I I mean I like Breaking Bad, Mad Men. I've I've right. seen a lot of it, but um, I'm much more a fan of the larger more self-contained storytelling. I think I agree film. I agree with that. And and that was like my dad was kind of like that always. He still is, you know. Yeah. The only thing he watches on TV is like PBS. Um rad. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's a hippie. Um but but no, he's such a movie watcher and he doesn't consider movie TV at all. Like he'll be like I don't watch TV and then I'll yeah. watch like all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies <laughs> in you know in order. Um or he'll like rewatch Harry Potter for the 80th time. Sure. But like I love that though because i feel like movies it's it's more of a i don't know tv's just so ongoing it's just like right constant like there's always another episode and it's like they're not all they don't mean as much then because it's just like yeah mass and, produced almost and that's not to say that tv isn't a fantastic storytelling oh no medium it totally is but you have to be the right type of person to yeah. be like a tv person oh, and i sure. i commend anybody that's it's like able like- cat people do. or dog people sort of yeah i mean i and don't get me wrong i've watched there i think i, I watch a ton of it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah. because i really appreciate the comedic form in that it's like comfort food you know sure yeah but like you but can't also get great me, comedy yeah yeah you can't you could not get me to sit down and watch i think <laughs> so <laughs> one of the few tv shows that i got like religiously into was lost and that broke me as a person yeah. when we got to the end. And I was oh, just like, this is literally bullshit. It's like, terrible I writing. fucking hate. I can't believe that they got there was so much great. There were so many great things about it. And then they had to just literally throw a tomahawk in it and just be like, fuck you. Yeah. I hate you. Yeah. Nothing you like matters. And then I kind of stopped watching And then it's like, that's TV. what, eight years of your life? 
Yeah, man. Like that's what me and my mom did on one that Wednesdays. Must have been, yeah, Wednesdays. Yep. That's what we did Wednesdays. Was it Wednesdays or was that house or were they both on the same night? I don't, I don't know, but like every, whenever it was on, same. It was same. In my every household. day of the that that one day of the week, that's what me and my mom mm-hmm. did. We watched Lost. That's what my brother and my mom did. I, I was know. like an occasional like viewer. You'd but be like, oh yeah. shit, what's that polar yeah. bear about? Oh my god, and what's then... that black shadow? What was it? The black <laughs> shadow the, monster. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Um. So that's not an influence. No. Lost. Okay. An influence insofar as it made me a really sad distrust. person. Kind of yeah. like distrust. Like, oh, yeah. Why did you do that to that story? Yeah. It made me a lot more critical of what I watch. Yeah. Good. That's for sure. Well, that's good then. That's, yeah. That At the end of the day, influence. it was a positive, but it really right. broke my heart back oh, in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Or whenever that whenever was. That I don't was. remember. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, Okay, so moving along then to influence number two. Wow, right. we're already 25 minutes into this. I know. Boy. <laughs> Cut Good. it. Yeah. Cut it down. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> um, number two, and this is going to be super uh, obvious white dude answer, but I'm going to say it. Quentin Garden Tarantino. <laughs> 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 Thank Let's, God. Oh God, I can't. We could do an entire show about Garden State. I know you hate it, right? Do I don't hate it? hate it. Okay. I just don't get it no, anymore. It's, it's it didn't really it's, hold it's up very t- well. It's of a time and a place. It's definitely Quentin Tarantino. Hell yeah! I mean, with you on that one. Um, yeah, he is. I mean, his. I've, there's so much there. Yeah, I think. I he's, hope he's not next. He's not next. He's not a creep. Well, is I mean, he, he was he was super tight with Weinstein. He's not a quick creep question. Mark. He's he's definitely a creep. Yeah. But in a in a way that I have tried to, you know, a, uh, make work with my adoration of his of his cinema and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And there are plenty of reasons to have a problem with Quentin Tarantino, but um. But what's what what do you get from his either is it his movies or his philosophy what why is he in number two for you him is so this is when i got into high school Mm -hmm. and i was getting to this point where i really thought i was hot shit like i was just like you know being kind of not super popular but i had my group of like arty friends and we did things that were exact same yeah we did things that were unconventional and pushing the limit and like it totally wasn't he put air quotes there yeah no (laughs) huge air quotes on that one big old air quotes what was wait what what were the things that you did that were pushing oh geez like we smoked cigarettes like that was it like we would stand up by the tree and be like you know what i read this carl marx guy i think he's got a point like and (laughs) It was it was very oh, it was good. very typical. Yeah. I grew up in a very typical suburb yeah, of Chicago. For sure. And um, you just kind of had to find your trope. Oh god, yeah. it was like living in a John Hughes movie. <laughs> it was like every time I walked past the football fields, don't you? Oh my god, it was like terrible. Uh, yeah, no. But sure. I got into Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I knew who he was, and I knew I knew like the cultural references to Quentin Tarantino, like jokes about Reservoir Dogs, jokes about Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, I remember in Space Jam, which is a big movie for me, they have like this oh, yeah. weird scene where Elmer Fudd and like uh, who's who's the guy, the Western dude. He's got like the big oh, orange the, mustache. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Oh, but shit. I can they're see d- But they have a joke where they shoot out this dude's this like alien's teeth and the camera cuts to them and they're dressed as Jules and Vincent from Pulp Fiction. Oh and it's God. playing the it's playing um the song from the opening of Pulp Fiction. Right. So I understood what it was. Yeah. But I had never it was in Space Jam. Yeah, because of Space Jam. <laughs> Thanks, Warner Brothers. Props. But uh the first Quentin Tarantino movie I saw was Death Proof. 
which is a movie that a lot of people oh, hate. A oh, lot that's of people hate. Scary it. one in the car. Yeah, Kurt oh, Russell. Is this the double man. feature? Was it like? Yeah, so that was part of his grindhouse thing yeah, with grindhouse. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, who I don't like as much. Uh-huh. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's done some interesting mm-hmm. stuff, but I'm not a huge Robert Rodriguez fan. But I, I didn't watch the double feature. We were just dicking around on Comcast, like when on demand was like new, and you're just yeah. like, Whoa. like <laughs> and so he had a he had I the got movies. The power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, the guy, the guy I was hanging out with, he had um, the, all the movie channels. His parents had the movie For channels, sure. and they had Death Proof on Stars. And we're like, I was like, oh, let's watch that. That looks crazy. And he's like, I don't want to watch that. It looks dumb. I'm like, yeah, but it's that, uh, it's that guy, Quentin Tarantino. And he's <laughs> From like, Space Jam. Yeah, first Space Jam. <laughs> and he's just like, who? And I'm like, let's just watch it and see what it's like. Yeah. And I was floored, right, by the fact that it's an intense movie. Holy yeah. shit! I'm and, just replaying it in my mind right and now. And it was so unforgiving in the sense that Quentin Tarantino went for a style and just just went for it completely. Oh, yeah. And obviously, when you watch the rest of his movies, you're like, oh, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he purposely put in, like, he made the film look dirty. He put in, like, fake, uh, like, he he made it look bad, look like a B-movie, like a Grindhouse Mm -hmm. movie. And He commits to it. Yeah, he commits to it. Made it, it was such an expert uh i don't know execution and style i couldn't even believe it yeah i thought it was incredible so so that was your first run in and then you were hooked and you watched yeah. them all so uh, yeah and then i went like family video or did you get them all on Cosm- no. Comcast? i uh i i just went and i started um renting i think the hollywood video oh my god was still open. yeah i know yeah that was uh, such a good spot. but i just went and got Reservoir That's Dogs, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, Jackie Kill Brown, yeah. Kill Bill One and Two, yeah. Um, and then by that time, Inglorious Bastards was coming out. So and, you're like hyped uh, about that, totally, yeah, dude. It changed me, like it yeah. really did, for better or for worse. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, and I mean, th- that guy, he's the way he talks about film, and I've I've watched you know several interviews or whatever with him. It's it's amazing how. He just knows so much. Using encyclopedia. And even watching them, like I've watched the films in my film class and there's like so many quotes and so many, uh, basically every shot is like a, a you know, uh, an homage to yeah. whatever. Yeah. It, but it's like, you don't know it, but it, yeah, he, I mean, talk about a guy with influences. Yeah. He's that, got him. He's got, he's, he knows everything. And he, he respects it all. Ex- exactly. And he really, um, he really doesn't hold any art above he he's he's not like this guy who believes in highbrow and lowbrow to him it's all the same yeah he can love um the works of pam greer in the mm-hmm. black exploitation era of <laughs> 70s cinema and also love like la dolce vita by yeah. federico or federico fellini like to all to him it's all the same thing it's just pure cinema right and um that's why i love him so much is that he really pays he he loves it and sometimes his personality gets in the way of people remembering how much this guy loves movies. And some people really have a problem with his his approach towards it, whether it's the violence, um, whether it's his questionable portrayal of women, which is weird because in some ways I'm like, yeah, dude, he made Uma Thurman the most badass person. Oh my on, god, yeah. And v- like that fight with him and Vivica, uh, with her and Vivica A. Fox in the beginning of oh Kill Bill Volume god, One is literally crazy. incredible. I yeah, loved it. I know. But like, also, you can look at it a different way and be like, oh, it's a, it's 
the male gaze and like chick fight. It's yeah. it's exploitative, mm-hmm. whatever. The point being is that I am consistently entertained and I find something new to love every time I watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. Absolutely. And the soundtracks. <laughs> yeah. The dude is just, he, he's, he, he's he, a connoisseur. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How, how do you feel like you talk about movies like, like Quentin Tarantino talks about movies? Do you feel like that's anything that you've like gleaned? Have you watched a lot of interviews of his or? Yeah. Um, I think I try to, I, I try, I what I was really struck by him as a person is his encyclopedic knowledge. And that's something I've always kind of aspired to be, um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but you can talk to a lot of people in my life, just even in, uh, in high school, even in middle school, um, like sometimes my teachers would be struck by the fact that I would understand a reference to something because um, my parents had let me watch it or yeah. I had gone off and watched it myself yeah, and totally. been like and exposed myself to it. They were just like, how do you know what this is? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, like, I don't know. I just like Monty Python was big for me in middle school. Totally. And my dad's British. So like, um, you know. I would get all these Monty Python jokes and the teacher would be like, how do you get that? You're like 10. <laughs> do you watch Monty Python? I'm like, yeah, yeah I watch Monty who Python. Doesn't? Why wouldn't I watch Monty right. Python? So um, cool. I really, it, it gave validation to that part of my personality, the obsessive part. Yeah. Um, and, but the, but the way he talks about movies is representative of me maybe in high school, but I've kind of moved away from his like, frenetic kind of pedantic like yeah 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 he's very frenetic and i appreciate his enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and i appreciate him but um i feel like that's what alienates him from people as a as a person is that like if you can all all it it seems that he can talk about is movies and like he's such a yeah it's like do you talk about anything else if he wasn't quentin tarantino he'd be like such a nerd yeah people people like at a party he'd be like in the corner and he was he literally worked when he was a teen he worked in a video store yeah and um you know his whole life is shaped by movies and it only makes sense that he would be the way he is in terms of the way he talks about movies um but uh i've kind of tried to move away from that to have a little bit more broad appeal when talking nuanced yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's good I mean, it's good that you've already had that phase. Yeah. You're like, I know, I know what it's like to like sling around all my knowledge, and then yeah. now I just kind of keep it in the back of my mind, know and that I'm really smart, and then talk to people. Which is what brings me to the next influence. Perfect. Which is Roger Ebert, the greatest film critic to have ever lived. I really don't think that anybody can top him. Awesome. I don't know if anybody could really get that mix of populism and serious critique. Like he is not afraid. He he was not afraid. R.I.P. Man. Like that really hit me when Roger mm-hmm. Ebert died. Because mm-hmm. um, not, one thing I would do growing up, and granted, Gene Siskel was dead by this time. Yeah. But I would watch Ebert and Roper. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh my god, there's a TV show where they just talk about movies. It was on like Sunday morning. Yeah. My brother and I watched it every oh, week. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Thumbs oh up. God. He literally changed I've met the le- Roper. Have yeah. you met him around here? I've I've seen him and yeah. I've been like, oh, I, I met him at him. Ebert Fest actually. Like, oh, down in Champagne. Ago. Yeah. I've, I've always like, really I used wanted to watch to your show. Yeah. You know, I would have like, wor- uh-huh. I'd have words with him. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I could be like, let's talk about the yeah. way that you talk about movies, yeah. dude. Like, and I'm sorry to be no, no. saying that, but I think no, feel... for sure. I mean, I I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. He's uh, no, I always watch Ebert and Roper, and um, it's just it's like 
Roger Ebert literally changed the lexicon of how we talk about movies with the thumbs up, thumbs down, yeah. two thumbs way up. How many times did you see that on a poster growing up when oh they were at the height of their influence? Exactly. They were probably the most influential film critics in America at the time. Absolutely. Like, oh, probably. I mean, bar still, none. I'm sure if you ask someone like on the street, like name, name a, a film, film critic, critic, Roger Ebert. Ebert. And they're like, did you know he's not alive anymore? Yeah, but, they'll be like, oh shit, he's not alive. Yeah, dead. right. <laughs> I'm like, it goes oh. to show how much people realistically read reviews anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know? um, yeah, but no, I agree. He's completely wonderful. I mean, and just like obviously a jovial, like nice guy who just so loved it. Yeah, he, he, he um, said that uh, movies, and I'm paraphrasing here, but movies are an empathy machine. And I really believe that. I really believe in the power of cinema to change hearts and minds and really give you a step. If well done, if done correctly, give you an ability to feel something mm-hmm. for 90 minutes. Yeah. At the at the generally at the minimum. Yeah. Like for 90 minutes, you're going to sit down and you're going to feel something. Hopefully. Right. Um, and if not, thumbs down, baby. Yeah. Thumbs down. Two Throw thumbs down. And that's what, and I mean, that's why I hate that. That abiding belief is why I hate seeing like uh, people on their cell phones in movie theaters. Like Ugh. it's one, one, it's disrespectful to your fellow patron. Like they deserve to have a good experience. We all paid money to be here. Exactly. If you don't like the movie, leave. Yeah. Like there's no shame. Which I in that. actually did for the first time this year. I left yeah. Boss Baby. Oh geez, I don't blame you. And that's... then we went and saw the like Disney, whatever the like panda bear one was oh yeah pandas something like that something. nature whatever Pro, in, anyway inside, this is the first time i'd ever left a movie yeah. halfway through insider dramatic, tip but. insider tip if you leave inside the first 20 minutes they will give you your money back or let you go to a different movie wow like that's generally the accepted rule that if you like especially because it happens sometimes that you go it's to like see sending your meal back yeah <laughs> It's as long as you haven't like been there for over half an hour. If you've been there for over half an hour, tough. Like yeah. you sh- probably should have left earlier. I feel like I, we, we just snuck into another theater though. They didn't notice. <laughs> that's fine. Was it like an AMC, AMC. or something? Okay, that's fine with yeah, me. Right. I no, it was not oh, a privately owned. Yeah. <laughs> fuck them. Um, okay, so a little more on Ebert. Do you think he taught you how to be a critic? Do you consider yourself a critic? I think uh, I like to believe, even though it's generally used as a bit of a pejorative, the phrase "everyone's a critic." Okay. Like, yeah, I that's do what believe he said, it. right? Is that what he said? I don't know. No, I no, feel I'm like thinking. I'm thinking Ratatouille. Everyone can cook. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, long day. Yeah, but but, but it's true though. <laughs> yeah. that I think that's a good way to frame it because anybody can really aspire to be that. Like, yeah. it's not. Like, I hate thinking that film criticism is some sort of like you're just born to be a critic. No, you learn you you like just like you learn how to read a book. You learn how to read film. Uh-huh. And just like you learn how to write a book report, you can write a film report. You yeah. can say I re- like what you liked, what you didn't like. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just the best at it. That's yeah. all it was, is that. And that doesn't mean that there aren't other critics that I don't really really enjoy like A.O. Scott over at the uh, New York Times A.A. Yes. A. Dowd at AV Club mm-hmm. I think he's a really perceptive guy even if I don't agree with them yeah I think that's the best part is when you can get a perspective and it gives you sort of this a, a dialogue between you and the words on the page yeah because you can 
read the review and then see the movie and then be like, oh, you know what? I totally disagree. But you feel like you've had a conversation. Right. And that's really the best part. Like people. Why do people go to movies with other people? It's not because you're t- you're not talking during the thing. You're not yeah. even, you're not interacting like it's for the conversation afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's just the best part. Yeah, you know? I know. I, my first movie that I ever saw alone was um, Blue Jasmine, Woody Allen's. Uh, yeah. That's a humdinger what? to watch alone. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I saw it like the art theater in Champaign. And I was just like, I don't know what I was. I was just like, I need to see a movie. Yeah. Or maybe I saw it up here at uh, Clark Century Cinema. Whatever. Wherever I saw it, I saw it. And I was like, you know, there's like a point in that movie where you're like, really have to like look over to a person next to you and be like, oh my God, it's based on a streetcar. Was yeah. it streetcar that it was? Oh God, I can't. Even Whatever remember. it was, I fell off of the Woody Allen. Train oh, I know, ago. and I did too. I yeah. mean, I should. I don't know. I'm so That's confused. a tough conversation. Uh, to have I had with that yourself. conversation already once today. It's like, can you like Annie Hall, but also think that Woody I Allen's know, a scumbag? I, I think you can. I mean, I'm gonna. I have to say that because I love that movie. Yeah, and that's okay. Also, going to the movies alone, underrated. Yeah. Super oh, I mean, that, that was my point was it, afterwards, yeah, I couldn't talk to anybody, but Can I was t- also yeah. kind of felt like I like it just gotten a great secret. You know, I was just yeah. kind of like, that was me in the movie. You just which had is an cool. experience. That's And what people don't do it. No. People are terrified. I mean, yeah. not terrified, mm-hmm. but like, they're like, why would I do that? That's weird. And I'm like, I get it. I mean, you have. Uh, yeah, it's, I guess I think spend your money your own it way. Comes, but it comes down to ritual, I think. If people are used to going to the movies with other people, then yeah. it's just kind of like. Well, why would I go alone? That kind of feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you like you wouldn't go to a Broadway show alone necessarily. Right. That would be kind of or but maybe I'm just projecting maybe my we norms just on other yeah. people. Yes, exactly. But uh going alone, I mean, just recently I went to the music box and saw uh Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Oh my god, I saw that there like six years ago. Yeah. Are they doing the Hitchcock for the holidays again? Or were Maybe. they just playing it? I I just saw that I they saw were playing part Vertigo. Of that series, and it was my first Hitchcock, first time at the music. That is box. a real crazy movie for your first oh, Hitchcock. Holy cow! Oh my god! I had I I thought I knew Hitchcock, I was and then tripping. I watched Vertigo. And the the funny thing was, I was with a friend who was out from in from out of town, and we were going to go to see the Neo Futurist do like too much light makes the baby yeah. go blind, but it was sold out. And so he was like, "Oh, actually, I saw that like Music Box has a, a Alfred Hitchcock," and I was like, "I I was like a." I don't know, junior in high school. I was like, I've never seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And Is that then we how you go junior, junior year. <laughs> oh yeah. And then you just kind of like you graduated, and you're just like, okay, let's okay. get to let's get to Kate Blanchett <laughs> levels. <laughs> um, but anyways, I went and my mind blew up. Yeah. And then I also saw Psycho in, in Psycho is so in good. theaters. Well, actually, I was like in a film class showing or whatever. But yeah. okay, so you went by yourself. I went by myself, and you'd and it seen was great. it already. Uh, no, I actually had. Oh my god! I had never seen Vertigo. I had seen Psycho. Oh, I had shoot. seen the birds. How was it? It was. It was fascinating. I'll say that. I definitely got to watch it again. That's oh for sure. Oh my god! It's it was crazy. It was. I'm it, thinking of like a couple scenes. It was a great experience to go and just have no context for what I was about to see. Yes. Other than this is a great movie. Yeah. Which kind of puts a lot of pressure on it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's like it's this that, is a classic. Yeah, for for all you millennials out there, it's that feeling of when someone shows you a YouTube video and they're kind of like, yes, which is like they're every like day waiting for you to for like laugh. Or, yeah, they're like, you haven't seen this Vine, <laughs> babe, check it out. And and you're I'm just like, like okay, Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> I, feel I love bad. them all though, babe. I definitely do that to people all the time with movies. I'm like, oh my god, this is excellent. Yeah, this how, are you, your life. how are you here right now? How are you? Yeah. What do you mean what's, you what's haven't seen? What's that movie for you? Oh shit. Oh god, that's a good question. Um, next influence, actually, Breathless. Ooh, a, a Sudiv Cooper. How do you say it in French? Uh, uh, a Buddhist souffle. A Buddhist souffle. I don't. I don't speak French. That's my best. That's, no, that's right. A Buddhist souffle. Yes. I watched that in my film studies class. Dude, <laughs> in my film style class, sophomore year of college. Bre- Breathless Beautiful. is. Breathless, I think, is a movie, and I discovered that in college. Uh-huh. Um, it was my introduction to this little thing called the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. which, is a, uh, which com- since has become your best friend. Oh my god! It's <laughs> it's it's literally film school for forty dollars a pop. Like what is what is Criterion Collection? So the Criterion Collection is a company that for a really long time, actually, since the, well since the days of Laserdisc, they were doing the <laughs> oh Laserdiscs, but uh, I they those from science class. Yeah. Oh my god. Laserdiscs. It's the future. <laughs> and that was in like 2007. They were like, oh, we have a laser disc of this Bill Nye episode. I'm Jesus. like, why? I know. It's called a fucking DVD. <laughs> Shrink it down a little. Make it a little more horrible. Um, but they, they basically, their mission is to find and restore and distribute um, what they consider to be uh, super important or relevant films okay. to film history that have somewhat been lost um, but not, then they also release Wes Anderson. Yeah, exactly. So they they've got a very big mission. Okay. Um, I think I think they really got and they used to release much more mainstream movies too. There's a Criterion Collection edition of Armageddon. There's a Criterion Collection edition of Chasing Amy, which oh, wow. that's the that was the only company that would release it on DVD was the Criterion Collection. Why? That's who was the district. They they just like we'll make the DVD for you. We'll do the DVD. Oh my god. I guess whoever did um. Chasing Amy, that might have been Miramax, yeah. which Weinstein huh. again. Um, but they, I guess they didn't weren't in the DVD business. What? That's and ridiculous. Criterion's like, let us do it. Yeah. Um, or at least so I've been told. Yeah, I've never yeah, yeah, seen yeah. any other Chasing Amy DVD other than the Criterion Collection DVD. I've never seen that movie. Chasing Amy? Yeah. It is. I mean, it's very Kevin Smith. If you like Kevin Smith, you might you'll like Chasing Amy. Okay. And it's an interesting story. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Um. And who's er, in that? Is it Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck. Okay, that's early Ben Affleck. Yeah, like baby, baby Ben. Um, but they also include like a ridiculous number of extras and essays and all these things to kind of really get you into the film. And I happened to be at a Barnes and Noble, and I was walking around the movie section. I was like, oh, anything good? Uh, usually Barnes and Noble's movie prices are terrible. Like they're super expensive. Yeah. Uh, so I generally try to avoid buying movies there. But I was peeking right. around, and. The guy who was working there, this old man comes up and he's just like, we have a sale. I was like, okay, <laughs> like what a- on? And he's just like, the Criterion Collection. And I'm just oh like, God, what is <laughs> what is that? And he's just like, oh, it's the greatest oh, movies of all time. Wow. And he he was like a guardian angel. I know. As far he's as, an dude, I turned around, he was gone. Like, he was never there. <laughs> um, and, oh my uh, God, he was like just a figment yeah. of your, he was like your imaginary friend. <laughs> but I ended up buying uh, Breathless because I really like, I just really liked the cover. I really liked the cover and it was cheap. It was only 20 bucks. And I'm okay. just like, well, I feel like I'm getting something substantial yeah. here. It's in like a. Did nice... you know anything about it? Nope. And little did wow. I. Little did I know what I was in for. And the first time I watched it, I was so goddamn confused. It is a movie. <laughs> it's so confusing. I mean, yeah. Especially because we don't speak French. Right. But, but then it... it's also just 
what is the genre i it's uh french new wave french new wave and so it's all over the place and i i loved it and realistically it was it was i should have known about it because jean-luc godard the director is a huge influence on tarantino mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and i only found that out kind of retroactively and i'm yeah. like this makes you click. put it together yeah. it's like oh duh but uh, then you start seeing like yeah. little bits of godard and exactly Tarantino's films. and you start watching godard and you're like wow this seems like something tarantino would do mm-hmm. and, yeah that uh, whole car chase in the in breathless yeah it's uh it's just a fascinating film because it breaks liter- it takes the rules of cinema mm-hmm. and it like it, like almost like a window pane takes the rules of cinema and smashes them on the yeah. ground and says we are going to include jump cuts we are going to include like basically no plot yeah there's very it's there is a plot but it's it like really loose it's pretty loose as to what's going on um we're going to break the fourth wall we're going to break the 306 we're going to break the 180 line Mm -hmm. and kind of confuse you and just do all these things that they always told directors don't do that and it was it it changed cinema forever it revitalized people and it influenced um what like what would become one of the greatest eras of American filmmaking, the new Hollywood movement. Yeah. The French new wave, people like Francois Truffaut, Jean-Luc Godard, they, they, their movies got seen by these young American kids in film school. And then they're just like, I want to make art films. Yes. They ended up becoming super establishment and kind of hacks in their own right. But they started out with good intentions. I mean, you like even Martin Scorsese constantly references these works of art cinema wow and um it really opened my eyes to be like hey foreign film is great yeah and you should pay attention it decentralized me away from hollywood and said film is so much more of a global art than you realize that's cool and i really it really was great for me at that time yeah and so what what did breathless like lead you to what other french or what other foreign films did you get into um it brought me to watching a lot of japanese cinema mm-hmm. uh specifically oh god why am i akira kurosawa okay who his movies like there's a movie that he made called the hidden fortress where it's basically the plot of star wars <laughs> it's like these two it's two kind of dopey companions yeah (laughs) these two kind of dopey companions the de facto like r2d2 and c3po are kind of bumbling through this war they meet a roguish hero the han solo (laughs) and they have to go save a princess from a hidden fortress and it's basic it's the basis for star wars sound familiar george Yeah. yeah and he he actively that's one thing i really like about george lucas among the things that i kind of dislike about yeah. him is that he knows where he comes from he's okay, like dude good. akira kurosawa is everything what what is star wars space samurais yeah <laughs> so true let's be honest yeah, with ourselves i mean, for real. I mean it, it's to the point those movies are so influential that if you've ever heard of something called the rashomon effect no what is it um so Akira Kurosawa made this movie called Rashomon, which is about multiple people witnessing a crime and having conflicting testimonies. Mm-hmm. And that's been used as a legal principle now in law. Like they're just it's called the Rashomon Whoa. effect that where it's like it's because people at first didn't really have a way to explain how multiple people could witness a car accident, but not everybody remembers it the yeah, same just way. See different things. Yeah. They see different things. They focus on different things. Mm-hmm. Their memories are not trustworthy. And it it's like now it's called the Rashomon effect specifically because of that. Oh, movie. that's insane! It's, um, the seven I love it. like what else? Um, even American movies like Clint Eastwood's 
career is based off of that. And um, A Fistful of Dollars mm-hmm. is a direct remake of a movie called um, Yo Jimbo. Same exact plot, except it was made by, except uh, it's a spaghetti western. It was made by an Italian guy yeah. making a movie about the West, and he just lifted the plot. Um, Seven Samurai was remade into The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, which was wow. a huge movie for the Western genre. So, so how all do these you little f- threads. Right. And how do you feel about that? Like, is that just art? Is, is art just evolving constantly and and it's impossible to, like, make something original? I mean, I know that that's what this podcast's about. But, like, sure. is, it, is it cheating if they don't give credit? You know how, like, Led Zeppelin, there's, like, all those theories that they just ripped all those songs off of <laughs> oh, yeah, every sure. bl- blues or jazz, whatever, musician? Yeah. I think it is uh, giving credit is important. There's nothing wrong with doing your take on something. I fully believe in remix culture. I fully believe in the art of adaptation Mm -hmm. and uh, homage and pastiche and things like that. But um, if you're going to do something like lift the plot and just reframe it as a Western, you have to say based on the f- this film yeah. by Akira Kurosawa. So people can go back and appreciate that film on its own terms. And not give you complete credit for being like, oh, the- this guy thought it yeah. was amazing. Oh, man, Sergio Leone is a friggin' genius. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's a genius in his own right because right. he helped – he helped immortalize the American West on film. Yeah. However, he did take that plot from somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with that, but he needs to say, hey, I saw this movie and I thought, what if we reframe it this way? Yeah. Um, that's just art. All art is just being a product. It's As you said, it's what the show is about. It's being a product of one's influences yeah. and being respectful of those influences, but also sometimes being disrespectful and doing things and that cut it down questioning them and yeah exactly yeah. totally that's what's great about it yeah i agree um cool was that four already that is four. Oh my god okay and We're that was so breathless close. was there anything else you want to say about breathless go fucking watch it go man. watch it <laughs> you can borrow tom's criterion collection breathless i swear to god if i don't get it back i will absolutely freak he, out. why don't you just watch it with tom yeah come we on we can over. just do a showing <laughs> If you want to acquire the rights to screen Breathless, that would no, be fine. No, I mean just a casual one. Yeah, it's a. What does that look like? Acquiring rights to screen things. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I, I mean, ask How some of my to... guests. You know, yeah. you have to call the distributor oh, usually. God. You have to pay a fee. Like you have to explain where, when, and why it's being screened. <laughs> Sorry, I'm yawning. It's not you. I'm just tired. It's eight thirty, nine thirty. Shit, past my bedtime. <sighs> At, t- at time of recording, I know, and you're about to produce. Um, <clears throat> even if it's like just casual backyard viewing, um, or is it, it's just like it, it needs to be. If you're trying to make money off it, probably. Well, part of it is uh, it depends on the context. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Now, I'm I'm basically going off of what I've gleaned here. I do not know any laws, nor do I claim to know any of the laws on how this works. Good, great but disclaimer. It's uh, <laughs> don't quote Tom. No, uh, but. You know, I think there's a difference between you and your family casually watching a movie in your backyard. Maybe your neighbors come by. Mm-hmm. It's low key versus throwing out a invitation on Facebook saying anybody who wants to come can come. Everybody just come to this address and you can watch it because that's technically considered a public viewing. What? That's a viewing by the public. And that is like. But it's in a private. Yeah. But you're telling anybody that they can come. Well. It's very tricky copyright law it's very tricky um i know you're not gonna get hunted down no 
for they a could party. Get, they could come for you, though. Like, they, they definitely Hedge could. Hedge kids, hedge Yeah. <laughs> they could definitely do that if they really felt like it. Yeah. Um, they could go on Facebook and they find out, wait a second, there's Joe this. Schmo yeah, Joe Schmo is Matrix. showing. Yeah, is showing the Matrix in his backyard that to anybody fun. who wants to show Let's up. Let's do that. Watch the Matrix in oh someone's God. backyard. I love the Matrix. It's a great movie. That's is that great. number five? No, I wish. Speaking of, shout out <laughs> to the Matrix. Shout out to uh, Cameron Esposito for uh, introducing me to the idea of the Matrix as queer theory. Interesting. Yeah, especially considering Whoa. both of the. Wait, I just uh, have to think about that. Yeah. So he's going into the Matrix, which is his it's queer a, identity. Well, it's all about it's all about. Uh, discovering your identity and who is really you and who is not really you. Oh my God. She, she, I'm going to plug another podcast, uh, Earwolf. This is a great podcast, but only start listening to it after Devin Farachi gets kicked out for being a sexual assault person. Oh, whoa. Um, was he on it? Yeah, he was. He was like the host. He, was, he like started it with um, Amy Nicholson, uh, formerly of LA Weekly. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what's the podcast called? It's called The Canon. And it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On Earwolf. Yeah, exactly. Which is where I'm going to work someday soon. Please. If you could do that, can you As introduce Lauren me Lapkus's to- personal assistant. Oh, man. What a, what a because trip. Because <laughs> she's dating my friend's, like, collaborator. And th- You're fucking my friend, my friend and his collaborator are pitching um, to Absolutely this week. Oh, my God. Wait, who is that, that again? That is Absolutely. That's the Tim and Eric show. That's, yeah, Eric, Tim, and, Tim he- or Eric, Tim Heidecker and Eric Ware. And, uh. And uh, Nathan for you. Nathan for you. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, which one? The two-hour one? Yeah. I didn't finish, it, but I'm I'm in the middle. That of is it. pure cinema, my oh friend. My God. That is pure cinema. <laughs> I'm gonna open What's it this called? art. Finding. Or- I don't know. Is where this? It's where one of their previous guests, the guy who was like a terrible Bill Clinton in per- not Bill Clinton, Bill, Bill Gates. Gates. Oh my god. And they god. go to find his long lost love, and it's all about like the dark heart of the American dream. Like it's oh really fucked up and awesome. Don't tell me the end because I'm only halfway through. Change your life. Um. um okay. But uh, some natural sound of Tom enjoying his Argo tea. Yeah. Thank you. Which is a sponsor me. on this show. Did I tell you that. Are you serious? No. Oh, <laughs> I was I like, just lit up. I was like, can you get me in on this? Like, <laughs> You're like, Loki, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, dreams. Um, but anyway, the canon, um, great podcast talking about movies, so mm-hmm. in depth. Uh, Amy Nicholson is one of the great minds on film criticism. Did it just right talk now. about new movies, or no? It talks. It basically the premise is that they go through all the people nominate movies to be added to the canon of great cinema. Yeah, and um, they basically have a debate, and then in the forums afterwards, people vote to say whether it goes in or it's not going in. It stays cool. out. And Cameron Esposito. Uh, who you may know from Take My Wife, formerly of the CMSO-S network. Oh, RIP. RIP. But she... Save CISO. Hashtag save shrink. She gives a a great, great argument as to why The Matrix is about queer theory. And it's really, really interesting. And I loved it. On the podcast? Yeah. Okay. So just find that that episode. episode. It's just called... The episode is called The Matrix, and they go into it, and it's so much fun. Oh, The Matrix. I don't know how we got onto that. Oh, yeah. Screening The Matrix in our backyard, which one of us will have to do someday. But very low-key. We will not (laughs) post about it on Facebook. Anyway, number five. Let's go. Number five. And this is going to be very broad, but it's Drum been roll. My, the yes. Chicago film community. Okay, good. Yeah, and then that's kind of it. Kind of felt like a cop out for a second. That I was like, no, this has been. That's the point of it. Yeah, this has been a really big thing that has changed me, and I figured it would bring us up to now yeah. in terms of 
uh, my evolution as someone who participates as a film critic, as a film commentator, as a film fan, yeah. is discovering just how deep the rabbit hole goes on the Chicago film community. It is inspiring in so many different ways. Totally. So tell me about it. What If you were to explain the Chicago film community to someone either a Chicagoan that doesn't know anything about it or somebody from outside the city that was really into film that was like, oh, Chicago film. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't exist. What, what would Hell you say? Hell yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so and this is coming from the perspective of someone who's real realistically just get just dipping his toes in right now and I'm discovering different things. Um from my conversations with filmmakers here in Chicago, it has it is the the most hard working, you know, grassroots, uh just put the putting it all on the line film community I've ever seen. Um, they are a group of a large group of people of so many different identities um, that are really using cinema to speak their truth and to really just enjoy themselves and um, you know really make art. It's uh, it can it sounds totally pretentious, but it's the only way I can really explain it. And these are the people that are really going to be on the forefront of this new film landscape that yeah. we're on because Hollywood Hollywood's never going to go away. I'd be a liar if I said Hollywood is dead. Like it's just, that's just ridiculous. Hollywood's never going to go away. Too many companies have too many financial interests in keeping yeah. the movie business alive. And everybody's out there. Yeah, well, we have things like the friggin' Marvel universe which is just great but also not so great. Yeah. Um but these are people who are really so about being back to basics in terms of getting on the street, shooting great stories, doing it themselves, paying attention to character and setting and all the basics of being of being a filmmaker and doing it through the lens of so many different communities that it's really just inspiring to know that people are willing to put it put down like a financial uh payment like, I don't know how to, how I want to phrase it but like they're willing to financially drain themselves to the point of like you know they're not going to see that money back mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that these people make might not make money right now yeah and they're doing it because they love it and they don't care if it's going to get distribution and uh I think it's that attitude that is allowing Chicago filmmakers to see success. There's a great uh, web series called Brown Girls that got picked up by HBO. Yeah. That was originally airing on this fantastic sh uh, site called open.tv, mm -hmm. which is um, all web series and kind of like cinema of uh, the LGBTQA plus community. Mm -hmm. And I apologize if I forgot something because it's just um, – you know, there's Plus so many different. Good. Yeah, there's there's so many, so many different identities there. Yeah. But um, they came at it from a perspective of just we're just trying to tell a story and we're trying to tell our story and we're trying to help tell the stories of so many different people around us. Yeah. And that kind of genuine um, attitude, that kind of sincerity, I don't think you're going to find anywhere else than Chicago because people know you don't get hired by a studio if you work, live and work in Chicago. That's it. 
you need to go to L. If you want to get the big boy job working at Universal on the lot, yeah, you got to go to L.A. or you got to go to New York yeah. or something over there, you know. Right. Um, and I think at the end of the day, personally, these filmmakers will have the last hurrah. They'll have the last laugh on everyone who was so busy making these commercial films that they forgot what they were doing in the first place, which is making art, which is making cinema, not movies, cinema. And I hope that people will start to really appreciate how hard people are working out here and uh, the landscape will shift. We've, we've already seen how much digital distribution has changed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's sad to me that people don't go to movie theaters anymore, but it also excites me that there are places around the city that are micro cinemas that are showing local films or films that can't be seen anywhere else that are like super cheap screening rights um, or public domain. Yeah. And people are going to the movies and experiencing that community in a new way, in a way that the traditional system just cannot provide. And it's happening here. I don't think it's, I mean, and I'm, you know, I could be totally wrong. I don't think it's really happening out in LA because everybody's so drawn up in what's happening, you know, like, you know, being an LA person. And I think in New York, I feel like in New York, it's probably happening. I think it's these really like, I, I think they might have a very similar ethos, but they still also have like, you can make it in New York. You can be Woody Allen yeah. if you live in New York. Right. Chicago, you are going to be, the best you can be right now is maybe Joe Swanberg. Yeah who makes great movies right? Um, and very personal films. Um, and he's gotten to make stuff for Netflix too. So that's like someone you can be, or at the end of the day, they might be aspiring to be nothing except yeah. for themselves. You can and be fulfilled. You can be totally that's fulfilled. That's what the Chicago film community is looking to do. Yeah. And it's a community that totally makes, it pushes assholes out. Yeah. Like if you are not going <laughs> to be part of this community and be open and be accepting and being ready to, challenge your notions of what makes great cinema then just don't even Bye. bother there's Bye. the door yeah. go to go to la get a big boy job yeah i'm sure it'll be great as a as a you know best boy grip yeah exactly <laughs> have fun the being the gaffer's you know assistant yeah right. which is fine those people are important mm -hmm. don't, don't get me wrong no hate on the laborers of the film of the film industry nothing but love nothing but love because you need hundreds of thousands of work hours for hundreds of thousands of people yeah but um if that's what you aspire to do, you can go do that. That's not what you're going to do here. Here you're going to be involved and you're going to be uh, present and you're going to be mm -hmm. um, pushing the limits. So that's why it's, as you Damn, can tell from this diatribe. Great. Yeah, no, it was really good. <laughs> I was very, like captivated. I try to, I try to be as captivating. No, as that's yes, you're killing it. I'm just um, so, I'm just so lucky that these people let me talk to them. <laughs> I'm so, Dude, so lucky. They're that, lucky to be talked by, to by you oh, though. Man. Because you're a really good interviewer. Thank you. What gets me about it is that like they will they will be they will still be doing what they're doing whether or not I'm there. Yeah. I'm just I'm that's why I consider myself. You're just lucky. a genuinely interested person. Yeah. I want to document what's happening here so that um, people can pay attention and maybe no one listens to the show ever. Maybe no one ever subscribes. Maybe no one ever downloads it. People give it a passing glance and they're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then they never listen again. It's not going to stop me. No. Because this is everything to me. Good. This is the film community here is is like 
It's so much fun. I love it. Yeah. And I love that you've just kind of like created this this part for you yourself to play in it. Like you you made that, dude. Like you made your your little like role in this community, which wouldn't have existed if you didn't have the vision. So Yeah. I think um, props. Once I once I started meeting people, I knew. I was like, this is what I can do. Yeah. Because I went to school for broadcast communications, you know, yeah. broadcast journalism. Right, whatever that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck if I know. <laughs> Thanks, Loyola. Um, <laughs> no, much love to Loyola. Yes. Go Blurs. Yes. Go Ramblers. But, uh, no, it's um, – I, I never really had any big notions of me being a filmmaker. Yeah. I think I think that's something – that you have to grow out of and you have to strip yourself of that ego in order to start talking to people mm-hmm. that do make movies. Absolutely. Because if you're constantly just thinking like I could make a movie, I could make this. Yeah. Then you're, <laughs> this is then, bullshit. You're then you're an ass clown. Unless yeah. you're Roger Ebert who literally put his money where his mouth was and made beyond the Valley of the dolls. Like he, he yeah. wrote a, he wrote a movie, Jesus <laughs> but that's because Roger tell. Ebert is like, he was a transcendent person. I think um, Rick Kogan wrote his obituary. Yeah, I bet he did. Probably, dude. God bless. <laughs> he, and he he spoke last week. He was like, "I was like, what are you doing this week, Rick?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, tomorrow I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, you know, speaking at um Hugh Hefner's memorial service." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, not what I expected." Then I'm gonna go to the Billy Goat, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Have a couple bourbons or whatever. Oh Jesus, what I wouldn't give to have a bourbon with Rick Kogan, dude. We let's go. We get go up. out. <laughs> Let's I mean, we've it. gone out like let's, a couple let's of call times. Call Amy too. Oh my god, that'd be so fun. Oh man, let's do it. Shout out Amy. Um, but yeah, be be a mindful movie watcher. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Parting words, and let's let's hear a little bit more about the podcast itself. Yeah. What, sure. What's the structure of it now? So, um, or is it just constantly changing? It's we're very amorphous at the and point. That's okay. We're going with we're going with what sounds best. Yeah. What is going to make you? Um, the most interested uh i think we're really going to be focusing on the interviews themselves we've got a lot of great stuff coming up i know there's so many things going on in this city in terms of film that it can we can possibly uh get every last thing but um we're gonna try we're gonna do our absolute best Mm -hmm. and luckily like chicago like film festival season is kind of over so um we'll be able to get more people and it won't be such a hectic time yeah, to be trying to get zone like, in on it. Yeah. Totally. Um, so definitely come, come for the interviews, stay for myself and my co-host Connor Cornelius talking about what we've been watching and just being, just being totally enamored with the, with film. I love it. I think it's such a great program and Thank I you. enjoy getting it on my iTunes, Apple podcast app. Yeah. Which everybody has on and their also, iPhone uh, or Android. Also, download the WGN Plus oh, app. Oh, yes. You can do you that, You can listen too. to it there. You can listen to it on WGNRadio.com. Or uh, if you want to check us out, go find some uh, past episodes. Please stop on over at Facebook.com slash Podcast. Love that plug. Yeah. What what episode would you recommend people start with? Whew. Oh, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little selfish here, but, like, s- start at one because each one – I, I really feel like when you listen to it, you hear uh, us evolve a little bit every time. Yeah. And you don't want to miss some of these guests. Like some of these guests are so cool and so insightful and so much fun. And they will just lead you to other things to watch. Right. Um, gun to my head. Probably start with, I think it's six is Afternoon Snatch, which is a great uh, feminist 
uh, web series that ran on open TV. Cool. And it was you get to listen to me and Connor just totally gush, and it's really funny. Oh, because we sweet. we saw this program when we were like, this is literally incredible. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you had to start anywhere, start there, but jump around based on your interests. Yeah. Because um, you've done it, you've you've interviewed comedic. Yeah, we've web done, series films. You've interviewed horror films. Horror, yeah, you've we done. We try to run the gamut. Um. It fall, I will say it falls into horror a lot because yeah. like it's a very easy genre and it's also a genre that we really love. Right. And plus when you know we had Halloween recently so we had some fun stuff going on with that. But uh yeah, just keep your ears open. Um I think it's a it's a show that if you just want to learn these pe- what what's happening and what these people are doing and a little bit about the process of making a movie with no money. Or, or which web, is web, the web. hardest freaking thing to do, dude? Half the time it's we're talking so about hard. we're talking about like how they raised the funds to actually do that and how they were. It's luck- a miracle. Yeah, it's, I don't understand it. I mean, after there's this tiny little class that I've done at Second City, it's like, oh yeah. crap. Having no money to pay people and basically asking people to like do this do out of their own free. good graces, which it's, people do here because they're amazing. But, and and the and the fascinating thing is is that the some filmmakers. The money's out there. Mm-hmm. You can find it. Like I know there's these guys, Soft Cage Films, that are operate as a nonprofit wow. and they get donations from like Goose Island. Like I recently a, a good friend of mine, they were on the show, uh, Marissa Lessman and uh, Luke Taylor. Yes, I listened to that. They episode. um that was such a goofy episode. That was so, so funny. I was so dying. Goofy. That was what was the movie called? Phil. Phil the film. Yeah, they they're currently shooting right now. They're in the midst of shooting. I, I need liked to go. their Facebook page. Actually, yes, it it's going to be a bombshell. It's one. It's already won awards for the script. Oh my god! It's won awards for the script that. alone. So, so um, cool. keep an eye out for that. But they literally just like emailed Few Whiskey up in Evanston and said like, Hey, maybe you want to send us some like whiskey and stuff, and we can feature it in the film, and so we can have it as a prop. And they're like, Sure. <laughs> It's See, literally. so it's all about the ask. Yeah, and people like they For get anything. they get their their craft services done. Like they they Marissa raised a lot of money, not a lot, but enough money to yeah. get the thing off the ground, and so she can pay. Like she has SAG actors in there, and um, wow. but then she got craft services supplied by whatever. In order, and she traded them for a credit as be like you know craft services provided by this company, yeah. and so she would recommend them in the future. Cool. You know, so um, it's yeah. happening, and it's so happening. Don't ever think like, oh, Chicago doesn't have a film community. After oh. listening to this podcast, I would hope that you know that there is a very thriving it one, is vibrant, and it is. head on over now to No Coast Cinema. We'll, we'll try to be the best we can be at letting you know what's happening, where and when, so you can just jump in yourself. Yeah. Get to know these people. It's it's funny because once you get once you get to know one person, you suddenly know five people, and then mm-hmm. you know ten, and yep. then twenty, and you just get to know some of the most uh, artistically talented people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Lise. Any last words? Um, movie theater etiquette. Movie theater etiquette. Uh, wow. Turn off your fucking phone. Don't sneak in fucking food and drink. Oh, I do that. Oh, you know. <laughs> Glad I admitted it at the end of the show. It get, it's just like. How would, but I'm vegan. What do you guys have for tough. vegan? Like, is popcorn I'm not a vegan. meat? I just don't eat most things. That's fine. I mean, what it comes down to no, is No, I that do buy like, popcorn. Well, from, from a privately owned place, I'll get 
concessions. Okay. I'm talking AMC. And what and which also, is like the only one I have. Yeah, maybe. AMC. Okay, sneaking food, whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> stop you. People are paying for it anyway. Yeah. But if you're gonna sneak in food, pick it up. Pick it up. Just pick it the fuck up. You don't want to pick up my... Uh, no. I don't my, care. My your falafel or whatever <laughs> falafel. you've gotten. I just... Oh it's it's the worst because sometimes we'll let people slide because we don't... Like, there's a Starbucks next door and we don't serve coffee. Yeah. And they're just like, please, can I bring in a coffee? I don't want soda. And we're just like, okay, can you just throw it out at the end? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then I find like five fucking iced <laughs> coffees all over the ground. You're and like, I like, didn't even let this many people in. It's like, ah! <laughs> or, or like beer and stuff. Like, oh, congratulations. You broke a glass bottle in a theater that's going to be showing cocoa in about 15 minutes. Oh, what are the Jesus. kids like on the floor and stuff? That's why it gets oh, to me. God. That's why it gets to me. Is yes. that like, listen. People disrespect. Worst thing anybody's ever said to me in a movie theater, I uh, someone left a they they do this fucking thing. I'd almost rather leave you have you leave it on the ground where it's like it's always like old white people. They like curl up the bag oh my God, and then my they leave it on that. the seat for you. Oh, yeah. And it's oh, just like, like the popcorn bag. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like coming in with stuff under your. No, arm. that's you know, I can let that go. I, it's it's when people like they're done with the movie. They're not even taking the popcorn back with them, but they like they're just like, I'm going to be helpful. And they curl up the top <laughs> and leave it on the seat for you like a little Ew. fucking present. And <laughs> I'm just like, dude, just, poop. just throw it out. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's so weird. I would almost rather you just toss it on the ground. But someone did that. <laughs> And I was like, I decided to say something. I'm like cleaning the theater and I'm just like, excuse me, sir. Can you please take the bag out with you? I'd really appreciate it. You know, it, it makes the job a little bit easier. It makes the theater cleaner. And he looks at me and says, like, with a total, just this total fuckhead face. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, but then you wouldn't have a job to do. <laughs> and I was so close. I, I was just like thinking to myself, maybe you should jump off a cliff. So I'll fucking... <laughs> paramedics have a job to do you know maybe that would be good okay i went on a i I touched a i'm sorry you hit a you hit a nerve but it's not you that's good it's me i mean it is me too though but only at amc i'll have what she's having hi amc uh you have an opportunity to reply here come and get me yeah right (laughs) um thank you so much tom this has been a true pleasure and best of luck to you on your podcast ventures, which will be fruitful. Same to you, Lisa. Didn't mean to make that a proverb, but there it is. <laughs> um, again, that's Tom Hush, and this is Lease FM. Mm-hmm.